When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Sonic Society, and if you've also been listening to the Sonic Cinema Production Podcast, which used to be the EVP Podcast, you're probably going to take a double take, as I did, at today's features. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. David Alt. Hello, everyone. Yes, we have another jam-packed show this week with Secure, Contain, Protect, in other words, SCP Archives, with a double feature of Stairwell and Plague Doctor, and our features begin right here on the Sonic Society. Hey, everyone. It's Pacific. Before we get to this week's episode, I just want to take a quick moment to thank our patrons. That means you, Paige Lunsford, Nick Duhamel, Keith Araya, and Trent Hatcher. Thank you. Your support means the world. And this show wouldn't be possible without your help. If you're interested in hearing your name at the beginning of the episode, or in getting access to our ad-free and bonus episodes, find us at patreon.com scp underscore pod. And now, the show. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number, SCP-049, Object Class, Euclid, Special Containment Procedures. SCP-049 is contained within a standard secure humanoid containment cell in Research Sector 02 at Site-19. SCP-049 must be sedated before any attempts to transport it. During transport, SCP-049 must be secured within a Class 3 humanoid restriction harness, including a locking collar and extension restraints and monitored by no fewer than two armed guards. While SCP-049 is generally cooperative with most Foundation personnel, outbursts or sudden changes in behavior are to be met with elevated force. Under no circumstances should any personnel come into direct contact with SCP-049 during these outbursts. In the event SCP-049 becomes aggressive, the application of Lavender, l Multifida, has been shown to produce a calming effect on the entity. Once calmed, SCP-049 generally becomes compliant and will return to containment with little resistance. In order to facilitate the ongoing containment of SCP-049, the entity is to be provided with the corpse of a recently deceased animal, typically a bovine or other large mammal, 
once every two weeks for study. Corpses that become instances of SCP-049-2 are to be removed from SCP-049's containment cell and incinerated. SCP-049 is no longer permitted to interact with human subjects, and requests for human subjects are to be denied. Temporary Containment Procedure Update See Addendum 049.3 Per Containment Committee Order 049.S19.17.1 SCP-049 is no longer permitted to interact directly with any members of Foundation staff, nor is it to be provided with any additional corpses to be used in its surgeries. This order shall persist indefinitely, until such time a consensus regarding the ongoing containment of SCP-049 can be reached. Description SCP-049 is a humanoid entity, roughly 1.9 meters in height, which bears the appearance of a medieval plague doctor. While SCP-049 appears to be wearing the thick robes and the ceramic mask indicative of that profession, the garments instead seem to have grown out of SCP-049's body over time, and are now nearly indistinguishable from whatever form is beneath them. X-rays indicate that despite this, SCP-049 does have a humanoid skeletal structure beneath its outer layer. SCP-049 is capable of speech in a variety of languages, but tends to prefer English or medieval French. While SCP-049 is generally cordial and cooperative with Foundation staff, it can become especially irritated or at times outright aggressive if it feels it is in the presence of what it calls the pestilence. Although the exact nature of this pestilence is currently unknown to Foundation researchers, it does seem to be an issue of immense concern to SCP-049. SCP-049 will become hostile with individuals it sees as being affected by the pestilence, often having to be restrained should it encounter such. If left unchecked, SCP-049 will generally attempt to kill any such individual. SCP-049 is capable of causing all biological functions of an organism to cease through direct skin contact. How this occurs is currently unknown, and autopsies of SCP-049's victims have invariably been inconclusive. SCP-049 has expressed frustration or remorse after these killings, indicating that they have done little to kill the pestilence. Though we'll usually seek to then perform a crude surgery on the corpse using the implements contained within a black doctor's bag it carries on its person at all times. While these surgeries are not always successful, they often result in the creation of instances of SCP-049-2. SCP-049-2 instances are reanimated corpses that have been operated on by SCP-049. These instances do not seem to retain any of their prior memories or mental functions, having only basic motor skills and response mechanisms. While these instances are generally inactive, moving very little and in a generally ambulatory fashion, they have become extremely aggressive if provoked or if directed by SCP-049. SCP-049-2 instances express active biological functions, though these are vastly different from currently understood human physiology. Despite these alterations, SCP-049 often remarks its subjects have been cured. Addendum 049.1 Discovery SCP-049 was discovered in the investigation of a series of unknown disappearances in the town of Montauban in southern France. During a raid on a local home, investigators found several instances of SCP-049-2, as well as SCP-049. While law enforcement personnel engaged the hostile 049-2 instances, 
SCP-049 was noted as watching the engagement and taking notes in its journal. After all of the 049-2 instances were dispatched, SCP-049 willingly entered Foundation custody. The following interview was conducted by Dr. Raymond Hamm during the initial investigation. Bon alors, où est-ce que commence? Veriez-vous vous présenter? Is that French? Can we get a translator? Uh, the King's English. No need for translation, sir. I can speak it well enough. Good. My name is Dr. Ham, and I... Ah, a doctor. A like-minded individual, no doubt. Wherein is your speciality, sir? Cryptobiology. Why? <laughs> a medical man such as myself. Wonders abound. And here, I worried I had been abducted by common street thugs. This place, then, is your laboratory? I had wondered, as clean as it is, and with such little trace of the pestilence here. Pestilence? What do you mean? The scourge, the great dying. Come now. You know, the, um... What is it they call it? Uh, the, the, ah, no matter. The pestilence, yes. It abounds outside these walls. You know... So many have succumbed, and many more will continue to until such time as a perfect cure can be developed. Fortunately, I am very close. It is my duty in life to rid the world of it, you see. The cure to end all cures. When you say the great dying, are you talking about the bubonic plague? I don't know what that is. I see. Right, well. The entities our agents encountered at that house. They were dead when you encountered them, yes? And you reanimated them. Hmm? In a manner of speaking, you see things too simply, Doctor. Expand your horizons. Life and death, sickness and health, these are amateur terms for amateur physicians. There is only one ailment that exists in the world of men, and that is the pestilence, and nothing else. Make no mistake, they were very ill, all of them. You think you cured those people? Indeed. My cure is most effective. Things we recovered were not human. Yes. Well, it is not a perfect cure, but that will come with time and further experimentation. I have spent a lifetime developing my methods, Dr. Ham, and will spend a lifetime more if necessary. Now, we have wasted too much time. There is work to do. I will require a laboratory of my own, one where I can continue my research unimpeded, and assistance, of course. Though, I can provide those of my own, in time. <laughs> I don't think our organization would be willing to... Nonsense. We are all men of science. Fetch your coat and show me to my quarters, Doctor. Our work begins now. Addendum 049.2 Observation Log While in containment at Site-19, SCP-049 had spent considerable amount of time studying and performing surgery on the various mammalian corpses it had been provided. SCP-049 will routinely spend several days performing surgery, and then, regardless of whether or not the corpse becomes an instance of SCP-049-2, spending several more days documenting its findings in a thick leather journal stored within its doctor bag. SCP-049 will often seek to share its findings with members of Foundation staff. The following is a log of several occasions during which SCP-049 was observed operating on a mammalian corpse. Observational log 049.0.1 Summary A test subject, D85123, was introduced into SCP-049's containment cell. The entity expressed sincere gratitude towards all members of the containment and research staff. 
Observation Notes SCP-049 began by asking D-85123 several standard medical questions as it began removing tools from its bag. Shortly after finishing its preparations, SCP-049 quickly closed the distance between the two, killing the subject with a touch to its throat. Afterwards, SCP-049 made a number of considerable alterations to the basic structure of the subject's corpse, often introducing fluids from within its bag into the subject by way of a hand-powered pump and copper tubing. The resulting 0492 instance became animated, flailing and grasping at the walls of the chamber with a number of manufactured limbs while moaning out of an oblong orifice now present within its sternum. During this time, SCP-049 was observed taking notes of the instance in its journal and remarking to the watching research staff about the efficacy of its cure. Security personnel entered the chamber to move SCP-049 back to containment and were attacked by the instance. The security team dispatched the 0492 instance, and SCP-049 returned to containment with no resistance, stating that it was pleased with the results. Observational Log 049.ol.2 Summary SCP-049 was provided the corpse of a recently deceased goat. SCP-049 expressed gratitude at the provision. Observation Notes SCP-049 operated on the goat corpse for several days, eventually resulting in an instance of SCP-0492. SCP-049 expressed pleasure in the outcome, though admitted the disease was still in its nascent stage. My veterinarian practice is rudimentary, but the patient responded well to the procedure. Observation Log 049.ol.3 Summary SCP-049 was provided the corpse of a recently deceased orangutan. SCP-049 expressed noted gratitude at the provision due to the similarities between the orangutan and common human physiology. Observation Notes SCP-049 spent several days operating on the orangutan, reanimating it several times. However, SCP-049 appeared to be discontent with the results it experienced returning to the creature three times after its initial reanimation for additional work. After it was unable to reanimate the corpse a fifth time, SCP-049 turned the corpse over to the Foundation staff for incineration, stating, I have learned so much from this, though I fear my early optimism was misplaced. I hadn't yet come across such a stumbling block in my road to the cure. More subjects like this would do a great deal in advancing my research. Observational Log 049.ol.7 Full SCP-049 was provided the corpse of recently deceased bovine. SCP-049 expressed mild annoyance at the provision, though accepted it nonetheless. Observation Notes SCP-049 spent several days operating on the bovine corpse, breaking only to dine on a requested dinner of thin crackers, salted pork, and hard cheese. Beginning first by embalming the corpse, SCP-049 was observed producing a number of long syringes from its bag, each containing a different dark, viscous fluid. SCP-049 described these fluids as essences of the humors, and elaborated by saying, The pestilence may bring about a systemic imbalance. In such a case, before true healing can begin, one must find the humors in balance, or the body will reject the cure. Over the next few days, SCP-049 spent a considerable amount of time adjusting the organs of the bovine corpse with a number of large, metallic instruments. After eight days, SCP-049 produced a lightning rod, which Dr. Ham exchanged for an electric cattle prod attached to an extension cord, and struck the corpse in several locations. This action seemingly had the effect of reanimating the bovine, 
which once again had become ambulatory, despite the inversion of the head and reorientation of the limbs. Follow-up interview. We've watched your work for several weeks now, and honestly, I'm not sure I understand what you're doing. Can you describe your process in detail? Oh, goodness, no. The process is most intensive. As I said to your assistant, the best instruction you will find about my methods are here in my journals, as I have kept exhaustive records of my work here. I see. My concern, Doctor, is that we still don't understand what you're seeking to cure, or how it manifests, or how turning these creatures into quasi-living, mindless drones helps in that effort. You do not understand the pestilence, even after all this time. Doctor, it is an unspeakable horror, one that has shown its true face many times before, and will again. I find myself blessed with the wisdom and good sense needed to root it out and destroy it. But many like yourself cannot. It is a cruel judgment. I fear to be at the mercy of a disease you cannot fully comprehend. That still doesn't answer my question. How is your cure any kind of cure at all? It is a cure. You may laugh at my efforts if you please, but do not besmirch the good name of scientific progress that has developed this great mercy. What you so short-sightedly see here is a life better than any this creature could have hoped for. Stricken as it was with pestilence, this creature is now clean, unable to spread the pestilence and free from the terror it would have experienced otherwise. This is hardly a creature at all, Doctor. It's not even... Jape with me, sir. You and your colleagues are like so many others, unable to look past minor setbacks to see the salvation taking place before your very eyes. Do you wait to remove rotten timbers until the whole collapses on top of you? No. You find them and you pull them out and replace them with those untouched by rot. And most of all, you do not simply mock the structure because it now looks different to you. It is strong. It is free of disease. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to agitate you. I'm just trying to understand. Yes. Well... Do mind your words in future, Doctor. I am professional, and even professionals may feel the bite of pride in dealing with criticism of their masterpiece. I will forgive this as an act of good faith between colleagues. That will be all. Another test subject on the usual schedule. You know my preference of subjects with more human anatomies. Attending researchers now. SCP-049 does seem to genuinely want to help other humans, though it has not yet been able to provide a concrete example of what exactly it is trying to save us all from. I have watched it now over several weeks, and while the outcomes do not seem to ever change, SCP-049 continues to claim that it is growing closer to its perfect cure. I think the entity may be more aware of the reality of these outcomes than it would like us to think. Addendum 049.3 April 16, 2017 Incident Starting shortly after SCP-049's initial containment, Dr. Ham conducted a number of interviews with the subject regarding its anomalous properties, and over time began to notice displeasure with its subjects and the SCP-049-2 instances. This continued for a period of several months, during which SCP-049 never exhibited any aggressive behaviors. On April 16, 2017, as Dr. Ham was entering SCP-049's test chamber to conduct another routine interview, the entity began to grow anxious and asked Dr. Ham if he was feeling well. Following protocol, Dr. Ham reminded SCP-049 that the interview was required, after which the entity became hostile and attacked Dr. Ham, killing him. Due to a lapse in security protocol, 
and because Dr. Ham did not activate the inner chamber emergency signal, Dr. Ham's corpse was not discovered until three hours later, at which point SCP-049 had converted it into an instance of SCP-049-2. In the aftermath of this incident, SCP-049 was interviewed by Dr. Theron Sherman. I need you to explain yourself. SCP-049, you are being directed to explain your actions, and I will remind you that failure to cooperate will result in further restrictions during your containment. My actions do not need to be explained. You killed Raymond Ham and then butchered him until he... Dead. No. Not dead. Not dead. He is... He is cured. Cured? Cured of what? The pestilence, sir. I had thought you at least would realize what luck it is I detected it before. What pestilence? You keep going on and on about this pestilence, but you have not once been able to properly identify this disease. What could you have possibly seen in him today that you had not seen so many times before? That it would be worth his life? He... The pestilence presents and progresses in unforeseeable fashions, and has a queer way of... of creeping into the unprepared. And... call it what you want, Doctor... It was a mercy I did to him. He is cured. He is a vegetable. I... I would not expect you to understand. You and your... your ilk have proven time and again to be not men of science, but men of... of emotion. You cannot appreciate the horrors I have seen. Those many millions who have succumbed to the pestilence and been chained to... Your cure cost Ray his life. No, good sir. I have saved it. You would allow this world to slip back into the... Into the despair of disease and death. What disease? Ignoring the type what a and He was a healthy man. He was a good doctor. You are not worth this argument, sir. You are short-sighted and foolish. Dr. Ham was sick, and I... I cured him. I am the only one who can do this. My work must continue. I've had enough of this. Consider your allowances revoked. Welcome to containment, 049. There is still so much We're to learn, here. so much to do, and others can be saved. Even you, though you do not deserve it, might be saved. I can save them all. I can cast down this plague once and for all. I can do this. Only me. I. I. I saved him. I saved him, Dr. Ham. I. I cured him. He was sick. I know he was sick. I know he was. And I... You are all sick. But I... I can save you. I can save all of you. Because I am the cure. Addendum 049.4 Post-incident report interview. The following interview is an excerpt from the April 16, 2017 049 incident report. The interview is conducted by Dr. Elijah Itkin and took place three weeks after the start of the initial investigation. SCP-049, we are conducting this interview to close out our investigation of your actions taken on April 16th that resulted in the death of a staff member. Do you have any comments to make? Only that I look forward to the day when you will allow me to resume my work. I have spent the last few weeks compiling my notes and constructing a new theory for how the pestilence was able to infect someone in such an insidious manner that I nearly couldn't detect it. Have you experienced any remorse for your actions for the death of Dr. Ham? Ah, yes. Well, the death of a colleague is always regrettable, but in the face of the pestilence we must be swift, Doctor, and act without hesitation. Dr. Sherman noted in his report that you seemed to be mournful during your initial interview. 
people perhaps I had not thought that it is lamentable that a fellow doctor became infected but the work continues regrettable as it, as it was Dr. Ham's death might provide an important insight living human subjects are the only way forward I am decided my cure is of little use on dead flesh and I have gleaned all I can from your generous supply of corpses my desires turn towards tending to those still living who suffer from the disease. I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> oh, Doctor. I wouldn't be so sure. This week, you heard the voice of John Grills as your narrator, Audrey Castle as Dr. Ham, Travis McMaster as Dr. Sherman, and Phoebe Joy as Dr. Itkin. SCP-049 was played by the marvelous Karim Kronfi. Our music was made by Tom Rory Parsons, and I'm your showrunner, Pacific. Our producer is Tom Owens, and this is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, go to bloody-disgusting.com. Welcome to Bloody FM's The Hotel, a horror podcast with new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each night a guest dies a fantastic death in a hotel, that's me, who assumes the shape of anything from a five-star resort down to a roadside roach motel. My staff will check you in. The manager. We've been expecting you. Your faithful lobby boy. Right this way to your room. The owner. Hotel policies. No one checks out. Not even us. And sometimes we get a little well. <laughs> Stepping out of the darkness, the hotel shimmers. And I'm me again. I can hear the universe. I'm still the owner screaming. Back behind my desk where I belong. Forever. Rows and rows of clean halls. I still answer to a higher power. So many voices. Rooms in the billions. I'll have to take a more hands-on approach to the guests. We'll be checking in guests until the decay. All waiting to find their rooms. The hotel will be overseeing us. Never be alone again. Personally. From now on. I wish we were alone. Keep that lobby boy away from me. She's here now. She's always been here. Listen on the 1st and 15th of every month on Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hey guys, it's Cat Nat, and we are from the Cat Nat Unfiltered Podcast. If you are wondering what you're listening to right now, it's two best friends who bring it like it is four days a week. Honestly, it is private conversations that we put on a public forum. If you know us well, pretend you don't know us, and otherwise enjoy, because this is raw, honest truth about being a woman from sex to parenting to everything in between. And we're we're pretty funny. (laughs) We're very funny. I I don't think you can get that from this 30-second clip, but I promise you, you'll laugh and you will always need headphones. Check us out wherever you can hear a podcast. Hey everyone, it's Pacific, one of the creators of the SCP Archives. Before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to thank our patrons, Cody Emmer, Brian Brylow, Namiris93, and Justice Pert. Your contributions mean the world to us, and you make this show possible. Thank you so much. If you're interested in hearing your name at the top of the show, or in getting ad-free and bonus episodes, find us at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. And now, without further ado, episode one. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number. SCP-087. Object Class. Euclid. Special Containment Procedures. SCP-087 is located on the campus of The doorway leading to SCP-087 is constructed of reinforced steel with an electro-release lock mechanism. It has been disguised to resemble a janitorial closet consistent with the design of the building. The lock mechanism on the doorknob will not release unless bolts are applied in conjunction with the counterclockwise rotation of the key. The inside of the door is lined with six centimeters of industrial foam padding. Due to the results of the final exploration, see document 087-4, no personnel are permitted access to SCP-087. Description. SCP-087 is an unlit platform staircase. Stairs descend on a 38-degree angle for 13 steps before reaching a semicircular platform of approximately 3 meters in diameter. Descent directly rotates 180 degrees to each platform. The design of SCP-087 limits subjects to a visual range of approximately 1.5 flights. The light source is required for any subject exploring SCP-087 as there are no lighting fixtures or windows present. Lighting sources brighter than 75 watts have shown to be ineffective, as SCP-087 seems to absorb excess light. Subjects report and audio recordings confirm the distress vocalization from what is presumed to be a child between the ages of and the source of the distress calls is estimated to be located approximately 200 meters below the initial platform. However, any attempts to descend the staircase have failed to bring subjects closer to the source. The depth of descent, calculated from Exploration 4, the longest exploration, is shown to be far beyond both the possible structure of both the building and geological surroundings. At this time, 
It is unknown if SCP-087 has an endpoint. SCP-087 has undergone four video-recorded explorations by Class D personnel. Each subject conducting the exploration has encountered SCP-087-1, which appears as a face with no visible pupils, nostrils, or mouth. The nature of SCP-087-1 is entirely unclear, but it has been determined it is not the source of the pleading. Subjects exhibit feelings of intense paranoia and fear when faced with SCP-087-1, but it is undetermined whether said feelings are abnormal or simply natural reactions. Addendum Over a period of two weeks following Exploration 4, several members of the staff and students from the campus report knocking at a variable rate of one to two seconds per knock coming from the interior of SCP-087. The door leading to SCP-087 has been fitted with six centimeter thick industrial padding. All reports of knocking have ceased. Authorized personnel may refer to document 087-1 through 087-4 for transcripts of explorations one through four. Document number 087-1 Exploration 1 D-8432 is a 43-year-old Caucasian male of average build and appearance and unremarkable psychological background. Class D designation is a result of demotion due to mishandling SCP- D-8432 is equipped with a 75-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours a handheld camcorder fitted with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. D-8432 steps through the doorway onto initial platform. Despite the wattage, the flood lamp only illuminates the first nine steps. The second platform is not visible. The first voice on the recording is that of D-8432. The second is Dr. It's fucking dark. Is your flood lamp functioning properly? D-8432 shines the light out the door and into the academic building's hallway. The light reaches significantly further. Yeah, it's working. It just won't light these stairs all the way down. Thank you. Please continue. D-8432 descends for 13 steps before reaching the second platform. The platform is in the shape of a semicircle with apparently concrete surface and walls. There are no distinct markings, aside from nondescript patches of dust, dirt, or wear, consistent with that which is found in a typical concrete stairwell. D-8432 rotates 180 degrees to begin descent down the second flight, then pauses. Reason for stopping? You hear that? There's a fucking kid down here. Sounds like one. None of the described audio is feeding through the camera or mic at this time. Can you please describe the sound? It's young, either female or a very young boy. It's crying and sobbing and saying, please help, please. Yeah, it keeps repeating that and crying. Can you estimate its distance from your current location? Oh, fuck, I don't know, maybe 200 meters down? 
Please continue down the next flight. The subject descends another 13 steps. As he reaches the landing, audio of the child is described as picked up. The child alternates between sobbing, wailing, and the words, Please, help, and down here. The level of audio is consistent with D-8432's report of it being approximately 200 meters below. Can you still hear the crying? Yeah. We're picking it up as well. Please continue down. Stop if you notice any changes in the audio or environment. The subject descends another three flights of stairs before stopping. Keep going. Please. D-8432 continues another 17 flights, total of 22 flights, before stopping. There are no visual changes in the environment, and each flight has been a consistent 13 steps. I'm not getting any fucking closer to that kid. Stereo audio confirms that the crying noise has not increased in volume and remains approximately 200 meters below the subject. Noted. Please continue. The subject continues another 28 flights before stopping. 50 total. D-8432 is standing on the 51st landing, going the initial ground level landing. D-8432 is estimated to be 200 meters below the initial platform. 34 minutes have elapsed. The volume of the crying has not increased. I feel a little uneasy. You've spent a long time in a dark, unknown stairwell. It's natural. Please continue. The subject hesitates before stepping down the next stair. As the subject moves forward, the flood lamp illuminates a face located approximately at the bottom of the flight. SCP-087-1. It appears to be the same size and shape as a human head, except as lacking a mouth, nostrils, and pupils. The face is completely motionless, but is making direct eye contact, indicating its awareness of D-8432. Fuck! What was that? Shit! Holy fucking shit! What the fuck? Can you please describe what you see? Some sort of fucking person face thing, and it's fucking looking right at me. Fuck! Fuck, fuck, it's looking right at me. Is it moving? No, it's just looking at me. Fuck, 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 it's creepy. Please approach and further illuminate the entity. Fuck, 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 I don't wanna fucking... The face jerks forward about 50 centimeters directly toward D-8432. D-8432 enters a panicked state and rapidly ascends SCP-087. D-8432 reaches the ground floor in 18 minutes, at which time he collapses and passes out. There is no sign of SCP-087-1. Review of the footage indicates an equal number of flights and steps ascending as descending. Audio of the crying and pleading remains at the same volume until the last flight, at which point it ceases. Medical reports indicate collapse was a result of the rapid ascension of the stairs, causing fatigue. Document number 087-2, Exploration 2. D-9035 is a 28-year-old African-American male of strong build. 
Psychological background indicates no abnormalities except an extreme hatred for Subject has an extensive record of D-9035 is equipped with a 100-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours, a handheld camcorder fitted with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. D-9035 is also equipped with a backpack containing 100 small LED lights with adhesive backs and battery lives of approximately three weeks. Lights turn on and off by compressing them. D-9035 shines the flood lamp down the first flight of stairs. Despite the extra wattage, the light does not illuminate beyond the ninth step. Wait, you want me to go down there, Doc? Please shine your flood lamp outside of SCP-087 to verify it's functioning properly. D-9035 shines the light into the hallway. Comparison with the footage from Exploration 1 confirms it is indeed brighter. Thank you. Please continue to the first landing. Hey, Doc, I, I know what you said and all, but I don't think I want to go down there. Please continue to the first landing. Doc, look, I... As per our earlier conversation, please continue to the first landing. D-9035 pauses for 18 seconds, then descends 13 steps to the first landing and stops. Is that a kid? Please remove one of the adhesive lights and affix it to the wall on the landing. Doc, you hear that? Yo, yo, is that a kid down there? That's unconfirmed. Please affix one of the adhesive lights to the wall and verify it functions. D-9035 hesitates, then removes one of the lights from his backpack and adheres it to the wall. He presses on the light, and it turns on. Please turn off your flood lamp. D-9035 hesitates again before turning off the lamp. The LED light illuminates the landing, but does not extend beyond the first step either way. Thank you. You may turn your flood lamp back on. Uh, please continue to descend. At each landing, affix a lead light to the wall and turn it on. If you notice anything unusual, please report it. D-9035 turns the flood lamp back on and descends the next flight of stairs. As he sets foot on the landing, the audio picks up sounds of pleading and crying, consistent with those of the first exploration. Can you still hear the previously reported audio? Uh, yeah, she sounds about, um, 150, maybe 200 meters down. Am I supposed to get her? Look, Doc, I don't do well with kids. Please place the light and continue down until you notice anything unusual. The subject adheres the light to the wall and turns it on, then continues to the next landing. He adheres the third LED light to the wall and turns it on. D-9035 continues in this manner for the next 25 flights before stopping. I don't think I'm getting any closer to the kid, Doc. How far below would you estimate the sound to be? Same as before, 150 to 200 meters down. Thank you. Please proceed. D-9035 continues in the same fashion for the next 24 flights. At the 51st landing, he stops. Footage shows an arced gouge in the concrete wall, estimated to be approximately 50 centimeters long and 10 centimeters wide. The first step down from the landing appears to be completely smashed into rubble. Oh, you see that? Yes. Can you please describe what you see? Looks like something slashed the wall. And there's... And the step over here is all crumbled up and stuff. The slash mark looks really smooth. 
D-9035 touches the gouge mark. Yeah. Smooth. Feels like glass. Thank you. Please continue down. Look, Doc, I, I think I've gone far enough, okay? Please continue as per our agreement. Look, I don't want to be doing this, agreement or not. D-9035 steps over the destroyed step and continues down the staircase. Nothing is notable at the next landing. D-9035 adheres an LED light to the wall and continues in the same fashion for another 38 flights. The sound of the crying and pleading still has not gotten closer. D-9035 is on the 89th landing, and 74 minutes have elapsed from the beginning of the exploration. Subject is estimated to be 350 meters below the initial platform. I just feel like the kids is trying to lure me down here, Doc. I, uh, man, I think it's time for me to just go... D-9035 stops talking and moving as the flood lamp illuminates SCP-087-1. The face is staring directly at D-9035. Again, indicating awareness of the subject's presence. Although SCP-087-1 appears to be unmoving, its location is 38 flights below the initial encounter in Exploration 1, indicating it is mobile. Is there a reason you stopped? D-9035's breathing grows labored. SCP-087-1 remains immobile for an additional 13 seconds. SCP-087-1 blinks. SCP-087-1 jerks forward until it is approximately 90 centimeters from D-9035. Subject turns and flees up the stairs. Please relax and calm down. We need a closer look at the face. Turn around. D-9035 ignores Doctor and continues rapid ascent. He continues to scream incomprehensibly. D-9035, can you hear me? Please, slow down. D-9035 is unresponsive and continues rapidly climbing the stairs. His screaming diminishes to babbling. After sending 72 flights, D-9035 collapses on the 17th landing. D-9035, can you hear me? D-9035 is unresponsive, but labored breathing can be heard through the audio feed. For the next 14 minutes, D-9035 is immobile. The visual feed is black, and audio picks up only the subject's breathing and the continuous pleading coming from below. After 14 minutes and 32 seconds of unchanging visual and audio feeds, the sound of a rapid heartbeat not consistent with a human heartbeat and a low crackling noise is heard. Seven seconds later, D-9035 gasps and arrives, continuing his ascent of the stairs rapidly and wordlessly. The heartbeat and cracking ceases, and nothing abnormal is detected on the visual feed. He remains unresponsive, D-9035 exits SCP-087 and sits on the floor outside of the entrance. D-9035 then enters a catatonic state, from which he has not yet recovered. Hold up. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, it's Cat Nat, and we are from the Cat Nat Unfiltered Podcast. If you are wondering what you're listening to right now, it's two best friends who bring it like it is four days a week. Honestly, it is private conversations that we put on a public forum. If you know us well, pretend you don't know us, and otherwise enjoy, because this is raw, honest truth about being a woman from sex to parenting to everything in between. And we're we're pretty funny. (laughs) We're very funny. I I don't think you can get that from this 30-second clip, but I promise you, you'll laugh, and you will always need headphones. Check us out wherever you can hear a podcast. Document number 087-3, Exploration 3, D-9884, the 23-year-old female of average build and appearance. Psychological background indicates a history of depression. Subject has a minimal record of using excessive force to... D-9884 is equipped with a 75-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours, a handheld camcorder fitted with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. D-9884 is also equipped with a backpack containing 3.75 liters of water, 15 nutrient bars, and one thermal blanket. D-9884 stands on the ground-level landing of SCP-087. The flood lamp illuminates only the first nine steps. LED lights placed on the wall during the last exploration are not visible. Please descend the first flight and examine the landing wall. D-9884 descends 13 steps and stops at the landing. There is no trace of the LED light at the location footage from Exploration 2 indicates it was placed. Yeah, um, it's just a dirty concrete wall. There's like nothing on it. No, wait, it... Ooh, it's a little bit sticky right here. D-9884 indicates the spot on the wall the LED light should have been located. There's a child crying down there. She's... She's begging for help and crying. Thank you. Please continue down the steps until you notice anything unusual. D-9884 descends. Upon reaching the next landing, audio of the crying child consistent with the prior two explorations is picked up. No LED lights appear to be present on any of the landing walls. D-9884 continues with no incident until she reaches the 17th landing. Ew, there's something on the ground here and it smells really bad. It's all sticky and stuck on my shoe. It's so gross. Video feed confirms presence of substance occupying a space approximately 50 centimeters in diameter. Can you describe the scent? Uh, it kind of smells like old rusty metal and pee. Thank you. Please continue until you notice anything else. D-9884 continues to the 51st landing without incident. The 51st landing remains unchanged from the previous expedition and similar observations are made. D-9884 is asked again to descend until anything unusual is noticed. Subject continues her descent until the 89th landing is reached. The video feed jerks, and the subject yells. Ah, fuck! There's a hole in the ground, and I almost fell in. Video feed confirms the presence of a hole approximately one meter in diameter. The subject shines the floodlight down, revealing only blackness. Approximately four seconds pass. 
and the light of an indeterminate distance down the hole flicks on for approximately two seconds, and then back off. There was a light down there. It's gone now, but it was on for like a, a second. Did you see it? Yes. Can you estimate the depth of this hole? No way! It's too deep. At least a kilometer, like way more than a kilometer. Thank you. Can you still hear the sounds of the child? Uh-huh. She uh, still sounds far away. I, I don't feel like I'm getting any closer. It, it's like for every step I take, she takes one down. Please continue down until you encounter anything unusual. D-9884 continues to descend SCP-087 for approximately an hour, covering an additional 164 flights. She stops to rest at the 253rd landing, consuming one nutrient bar and several gulps of water. D-9884 is at an estimated 1.1 kilometers below the initial landing, yet the sound of the child is not changed in volume. After pausing for four minutes, D-9884 resumes her descent, making no stops for another 216 flights, 1.5 hours later. D-9884 is on the 469th landing, and approximately 1.8 kilometers below the ground level. I'm not getting anywhere. I think it's time I went back. I mean, going down is one thing, but this is a long climb back. You've been provided with food, water, and blankets to last you 24 hours. Please, continue down. No, I think I'm gonna go back up. D-9884 turns towards a previous flight of stairs. I... Ah! SCP-087-1, the face, is directly behind D-9884, blocking her ascent. The face appears approximately 30 centimeters from the lens of the camera. Its eyes are fixed directly on the lens, this time looking not at the subject, but the person viewing the video feed. The video feed glitches and freezes for four seconds, accompanied by a static-like screeching noise from the audio feed. It then cuts the bumpy visuals of D-9884 descending the stairs rapidly. <laughs> This continues in a similar fashion until the end. D-9884 continues to scream and plead hysterically as she rapidly descends the staircase. The previously heard static-like screeching seems to overlay the audio feed, beneath which can still be heard the original sound of the crying child. Approximately 14 flights down, the video feed swings to show the area directly behind D-9884. The face is now approximately 20 centimeters from the camera lens. It is not staring at the subject. Rather, it is fixated on the camera lens, giving the illusion it is making eye contact with those viewing the footage. It is important to note that since the sighting of SCP-087-1, the sound of the girl crying and pleading has been increasing in volume, indicating B-9884 is nearing the source. After an approximate 150 panic flights of descent with three visual confirmations of SCP-087-1 still in pursuit, D-9884 trips and appears to fall unconscious. Audio feed indicates strong proximity to the source of the crime. The static and screeching noise continue. Video feed shows yet another descending flight of stairs, indicating D-9884 still has not reached the base of the stairwell. Twelve seconds of motionlessness pass before the face comes in full view of the camera, eye contact being made directly with the viewer. Audio and video feeds cut out, 
Kindle connection is reestablished. Document 087-4. Information redacted. In this episode, you heard the voice of Tanya Milejovic as Dr. Jesse Hall as D-8432, Josiah Peters as D-9035, Nicole Goodnight as D-9884, and John Grills is your narrator. Our music was composed by Tom Rory Parsons, and my name's Pacific. I'm your showrunner and sound designer. This is a Bloody Disgusting show. For more information, go to bloodydisgusting.com. And remember, secure, contain, protect. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, it's Cat Nat, and we are from the Cat Nat Unfiltered Podcast. If you are wondering what you're listening to right now, it's two best friends who bring it like it is four days a week. Honestly, it is private conversations that we put on a public forum. If you know us well, pretend you don't know us, and otherwise enjoy, because this is raw, honest truth about being a woman from sex to parenting to everything in between. And we're we're pretty funny. (laughs) We're very funny. I I don't think you can get that from this 30-second clip, but I promise you, you'll laugh and you will always need headphones. Check us out wherever you can hear a podcast. A cash recommends. And that's this week's show. Check out SCP archive links at sonicsociety.org and join us next week as we find some more SCP to share. And that's not Sonic Cinema Productions, I'm afraid to say, but <laughs> there will be more. Until then, I'm Jack Ward, fearing the exams to come. And I'm David Alt, who constantly reminds Jack not to fear the Reaper. See you all next week, folks.
Hi, this is John Bell. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. In my podcast, Bells in the Battery, I usually surpass a thousand words. Why does he? But for every episode, there is also a picture. You mean the itty-bitty picture that you see when you bring up the episode? Yes, that's called a thumbnail. They're drawn on thumbnails? But now you can see all the thumbnail pictures in large format by going to the Bells in the Bat Free Gallery. Just go online to thebatfree.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-F-R-Y dot com. And click on Gallery. That's G-A-L-L-E. I think they can figure that out. You'll see all the pictures for all the episodes that were created by Jeff Music, along with other guest artists like the Lavalie Brothers and famous animation director Dan Reba. Oh, he knows one celebrity, and he really wants you to know about it. You'll also see lots of fan art over the years and a few surprises so when you're in the mood for a picture instead of a thousand words especially especially his his words words, go to thebatfree.com and click on gallery and be sure to clean your thumbnails before viewing (laughs) 